to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. If you have a digital Bible, be, feel free to open that up and use that, or you can also um, look at the screens that will be on there. And while you're turning, just let me say it's good to see you today. I uh, see a lot of our uh, regulars that are here this morning. I see some faces that I don't recognize, which is a good thing. If you're, <clears throat> if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you and ask you just to feel right at home. I, I understand that sometimes it can seem like that we're just a bit crazy, and we are, but it's for a good reason. We love Jesus so much that we just can't hardly keep it all packaged inside. And so that's the reason that we uh, act the way we do and sing the way we do and clap our hands the way we do, because the Lord has done so very much for us, and He has raised us up and given us an abundant life through Jesus Christ. And so uh, thank you for being here today. If you don't mind, there's a visitor's card in the front, in the seat in front of you. If you'd like for us to have a record of your attendance today, please take that, fill it out. And at, at the close of the service, you can just drop them in our collection boxes that are on the back wall. For the rest of you who are not visiting with us today, you don't need to fill out a visitor's card, but I do pray that you'll fill out one of those contribution envelopes and put, put your tithe and your offering in there, and on your way out, you can drop that in the boxes, and I promise you that we will use that to advance the kingdom of God here in this local church I'm grateful for your uh, faithfulness and your generosity in giving. You're a good bunch of people. Poke your neighbor and say, you're a good, you're a good person. I'm glad you're here today. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you for your prayers uh, this week for Miss Donna. As you know, she went down this week to take her turn at giving care uh, for her elderly parents. And while she uh, is there, she has contracted uh, type A flu. And she's just uh, really very sick. And uh, she's getting better. And uh, I told her to stay there until she got to feeling like it would be okay to drive. She said she was feeling dizzy. And I said, I don't want you to uh, drive while you're dizzy. Uh, and I don't want her to bring the bug home either. <laughs> that's, that's part of it. I love her and I want her to feel good. I appreciate those of you uh, who have prayed for her this week. I know that she's feeling much better. And for the many, many, many people in our church that are sick with the flu, families, it just seems to be passing from one child to the next child to the next child. And uh, when I go to the hospitals to visit, the security teams and those kind of people say, get in, do what you came here to do, and then get out as quickly as you can. It's not a good time to be hanging out in the hospitals. So it is what it is, you know, and, but we believe that the Lord can keep us safe from that and uh, heal our bodies and restore us in those times when we have to deal with sickness. He's a good God. Amen. Well, last week we started a new series of messages where, where we're talking about living life on the level. I brought my wife's level to church with me last week. Uh, you heard that right. This is not my level. This is her level. She uses it instead of the rolling pin when I get out of order. And she realigns my life quite effectively with this, with this level. Um, as I told you last week, I pretty well know when I'm living on the level because my bubble tends to stay in the middle. And so that's what we're after is when our bubble stays in the middle. But the truth of the matter is, is that life in general sometimes gets us out of sorts. Is that not true? Uh, sometimes we can just tell that things just aren't quite the way that they should be. Uh, just this week, I was noticing that I have a little thump in my truck tire. And uh, they're off-road tires. They're the big babies. And, you know, it's easy to, to, to feel and to hear. They're a little louder than a typical uh, tire. But as I began to, to get out and notice, I realized that it won't be long that I'll have to put some new tires on my truck. 
because the front end has not been aligned and it has allowed those tires to get, to get spots in them. And you, you know what I'm talking about. And so occasionally we have to take our vehicle down to the tire place and ask them to do a front end alignment on the car so that they can get the pitch just right and so that the tires uh, will perform properly. And just like we have to occasionally level things up using a tool such as this, or we have to go to the tire shop in, in, in order to get our tires aligned, it's true that there are times that our attitude needs to be aligned. There are times that our, our life just needs to be adjusted so that we can become aligned with the, the Word of God and the things of God. So today in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses uh, 15 through 18, I want to talk to you about the importance of time management. Now, I know that some of you may be thinking, time management, that, that doesn't seem very spiritual to me. But did you know that time management is one of the most important things in our life? Because it is what keeps us moving in the direction that God would have us to move. In fact, I want us to start with this statement because I believe that it is true. It, and, and the statement is this. Opportunity increases with efficient time management. Let me say that again. Opportunity increases with efficient time management. In other words, the more that we are able to take control of our day and take control of our life, by managing the time that we've been given, the better it is for our opportunity to succeed. So I want us to start with that premise, and then let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you will allow it to bring uh, peace to our spirits and alignment to our soul. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I don't know if you still have an old-fashioned watch like I do today, uh, but these watches are made in such a way that if you look at them, at, they click second by second by second by second. If you were to take your watch and look at it and watch that second hand and watch it go through for a whole minute, you, you would realize the value of time. If you're like me, for me to sit and watch a, wa a, a watch click off by the second for a minute drives me batty. I, I just can't hardly take it. I honestly can't. It just drives me crazy. But the reality is, is that when we do that, we can, we can understand that time is fleeting. That time moves very quickly. Seconds are the way that we measure time. And time is the essence of life. Did you know that by the time that you reach 75 years of age, and I won't ask how many of you today are 75 or older, but if you've made it to 75, did you know that all, nearly 2.5 billion seconds have been invested into your life? Now think about that. 75 years of age, this watch on your wrist, or one like it, has clicked off 2.5 billion seconds in your life. So time moves on. There was a missionary to Burma whose name was Adoniram Judson who made this statement. He said, a life once spent is irrevocable. It will remain to be complicated. Uh, contemplated through eternity, but the same can be said for every day that we live. Once it is past, it is gone forever. 
And all the marks which we put upon it, it will exhibit forever. In other words, we don't have the opportunity really to erase the things of our life. They become a part of us. They become a part of who we are and who are we, we are becoming. That's one of the reasons I'm so grateful for grace. Amen. I thank God for grace because he has forgiven me of my sin and the failures of my life. I can't say that it never existed and it never happened because in that moment of time it did happen. But thank God, he is able to erase the penalty of that sin by his grace. Aren't you thankful for that today? It's too late to mend the days of the past, but the future still remains in our power. Aren't you thankful for that today? I can't change yesterday, but I can affect today and tomorrow. I have in my hands the ability to live today in such a way that it will, it will impact my destiny. A man by the name of Bernard Berenson, who was a, an internationally famous art critic, when he was 94 years of age, just as he was about to die, he said this to a friend. He said, I would gladly stand on the street corner holding my hat so that people who pass by could put their unused minutes there for me. In other words, he's saying at 94 years of age, I've not yet had enough of this good life that God has given me. I don't know how you feel about it, and I know that I'm happy to know that my eternity is secure and that heaven is in my future. I'm glad to know that one of these days when I do take my last breath, that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, the scripture says. It says, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. I think we have a grand and glorious future in the afterlife because of Jesus Christ. But as long as I'm living on this earth and taking breaths in this body, I want it to be a positive and productive experience for the kingdom of God. Now, as we look at our scripture today, there are a couple of things that we need to understand. Number one, it was written by the Apostle Paul. He was writing to the church at Ephesus, and he was trying to explain to them the importance of taking advantage of every opportunity that came their way. In other words, he wanted them to understand that wasting their time is, in fact, a waste of time, and that we should take every moment and redeem it and use it for the kingdom of God. So he uses three Greek words that help us understand what it is he's trying to say. Now, for those of you who say, oh, no, he said that Greek word. I hate it when they say Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. It makes me want to check out. Listen, it just simply means that he was writing to a group of people that would have understood the language of Greek much better than they would have other languages. So don't get freaked out by it. I'm not going to have an exam or a test when, when church is over today. This Greek word that he uses is an important word. Now, in the King James Version, it says circumspectly. If you're using a King James Version today, it most likely uses that word circumspectly. In the ESV that we're using this morning, simply says be careful. Now, when I say to you be careful, it brings with it a negative connotation, doesn't it? It means that there might be something that I need to watch out for. It, it means that there might be some danger ahead. I need to be careful. I need to watch my steps. I need to watch my words. I, I should be careful. But what he is saying here does not carry a negative connotation. Really what he's trying to say here is he's trying to, be, he's trying to tell us to be strategic about the use of our time. He's trying to, to tell us to be vigilant about the choices that we make when it comes to using our time. He wants us to take heed. He wants us to be alert. He wants us to be vigilant. 
He wants us to discern things in the light of the Holy Spirit's enablement and to understand life by way of understanding Scripture. So what he's saying is, is that every decision that we make in our life carries with it the weight of eternity. And so it's very important that we are strategic in the use of our time. Charles Hummel wrote that our greatest danger is letting the urgent, which comes from our secular society, the urgent things crowd out the important. In other words, the world wants us to be involved with urgent things. But God wants us to be involved in important things, the things that carry with it eternity. And so we, we have to understand that often we live life by life's demands. We, we, uh, we consider the things that are demanding on us instead of God's priorities. Now, you remember last week we talked about Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, which says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And so we talked about priorities. In this message today, we're talking about taking those priorities and giving them the necessary time to make it unfold in our lives. So, so time is important. Someone has said life is too short for us to do everything we want to do. But the timing is just right for us to do everything God wants us to do. I like that, don't you? There are a lot of things in this world I'd like to do. I wish that I could have traveled the world in such a way that I could see every nation of the world. I wish I could go places and do things, but I don't have time for those things. I don't have the money to do those things either. But if I wanted to do it, I couldn't do it. But I tell you what. I intend to do everything that God has asked me to do. I'm going to order my steps and prioritize my time so that I can be faithful to him in this life and hear him say one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, we have to be strategic about our time for three, at least these three reasons. Number one, when we use our time properly, it provides space for creativity. Did you know that God made you to be creative? That he has put within you a talent to be creative. Now, you may not be an artist. You may not be a musician. You may not be an author. But there are things that God has placed in your DNA that allows you to do them in ways that no one else can. Because he has called you and made you to be creative. If you go back to the very beginning of Scripture, God took seven days to create the, the world, six days to create the world, and then one day to rest. I thought about that this week, and it, it made sense to me that God did not need that time to do it. If God knows everything, and if he's all-powerful, and he's at all places at all times, then we know that all God had to do was just say the words and the entire process could have been done just like that. But he took one day to do this and he took another day to do that and he took another day to do that. And in this, this week of creativity, the world as we know it was created by God. He was showing us that time allows us the opportunity to put processes in place so that our life can be filled with creativity. We don't have to be bored. We don't have to sit around, twiddle our thumbs and say, I wish I had something I could do. No, God has given us the ability to be creative if we will take the time to allow it to come. Secondly, it will also minimize our impulses. How many of you know that sometimes we do things because it just seems like the right thing to do at the moment? But most of the time, when we live by our impulses, we live dangerously and make mistakes. Let me just tell you, when you go to buy a car, the next time you buy a car, if you buy one at the dealership, don't you dare be afraid to tell them, I'm going to walk away and pray about my decision before I decide to buy this car. 
Now, they won't want you to do that. Oh, is it the payment? I mean, we can get those payments down where you can pay for it. We can get the time. We can get the, the, the color you want. We can get the, the interior that you want and pressure, 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 pressure. Haven't you found that life in general just pressures us to make decisions that are not always the best for us? And sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we make a decision that is bad for us just because we're tired of putting up with the pressure that comes with it. And so it's like, okay, if you'll just shut up, I'll do it. If you'll just be quiet, I'll do it. If you'll just leave me alone, I'll do it. And so we make a decision by impulse that ultimately is going to cause us to pay a price that is negative and bad for us. So when we redeem our time, hey, if I'm going to go buy something, if I'm going to do something like that, I'm going to go in and I'm going to tell them right up front, you better give me your best shot because I'm going to go home when you're done talking to me and pray about it and determine whether I want to do this or not. I just let them know right up front, I'm not going to be driven by your sales quotas. I'm not going to make an impulsive decision. I'm going to make a decision based on what is best for me and my family. So when we take control of our time and we operate strategically, it allows us to be blessed in a divine way. And then the, fi the, the final thing that it does for you is that it improves your reputation. Now, I want you to hear me when I say this. We are the light of the world. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are his representatives in this world. And when we go about our life in a haphazard, impulsive way, we are not representing him the way he would like for us to represent him. You know, there's just no, my dad used to tell me all the time, he said, son, there are several things in life that depend totally upon you, and there's no excuse if you allow it to happen in your life. He said, number one, there's no excuse for any individual to run out of gas. He said, it's just as easy to put fuel in the car and have a full tank as it is to run on fumes. And if you ever run out of gas, you can't blame your wife, you can't blame your children, you can't blame your boss, you can't blame God, you can't blame anybody but yourself. So son, listen to your daddy and fill your tank up. I don't know how many times I've said that. I let Justin and Aaron use my truck the other night and I said, remember, I said, it does not take gasoline, it takes diesel. There's enough in there that you should have no problem. But if you have to put fuel in this truck, don't put gas in it. Put diesel in it. The next morning they were going to use it a second time and I made up my mind. It's got a quarter of a tank of diesel in it, but I'm going to go fill this baby up. Because I don't know how long they're going to use it. I don't know how many dry miles they're going to drive. But I'm going to take the responsibility to make sure that the tank is full of diesel because I could hear my dad's voice ringing in my head. It's nobody's fault but your own. The other thing that dad used to all say all the time is, it's nobody's fault if you're late but your own. And he said, you being late says a lot about your priorities. Now listen, I'm not talking about if you're coming to church or you're going to work and your tire gets a flat tire in it and you have to pull over and do all. I'm just talking about people who are habitually late. They're going to be late for their own funeral. Because they've lived their life as latecomers their whole life. And they like it so much that they've decided, I'm going to die late. Some of you don't want to hear this. I can see you look in the other direction. Some of you have chosen this time as a great opportunity to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It does not represent our God well when we show up late to work. And when we show up late to church. And when we show up late for dinner. And when we just show up. It's a bad representation of who we are. 
And I'm not going to say a whole lot more about that, but listen, people that know you, they already know you're not going to be on time. They already know it. So what I'm saying is, is that you should shock them one day and show up five minutes early and put the coffee on and be sitting there waiting for them when they come in. People should not have to wait on the people of God to show up. We ought to redeem the time. We ought to be strategic in our timeline. Secondly, Paul uses the word redeem. Someone said yesterday is but a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is all the cash that you have. Spend it wisely. That's true. Redeem is a Greek word which literally means to buy out of the marketplace. It is the picture of a merchant who doesn't just simply go in and pick this up and pick this up and pick this up, but the merchant seeks out the best product at the best price. Have you ever seen anybody walk through an antique shop and they know what they're looking for? I mean, they're not just casually going in. They're going in. I, I drove down to, um, is it Cox's Creek down south of Mount Washington? And that area, I, I, I'd seen something online that I wanted to look at, and I went in there. And for me, I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I don't know that much about things. And so I just went to look at the thing I was going to look at. But there was this individual in there that they were looking at these items in there and these antiques and these pieces of furniture and these lamps and all these kinds of things. And there was one particular shelf that was full of salt and pepper shakers. Of, I mean, the old kind of salt and pepper shakers. And, 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 and this individual was just standing there like this. I kind of wanted to look at them because my daughter-in-law collects them. Trying to get some ideas for Christmas next year if I draw her name. See, that's time management. I'm planning in advance. Just looking, just looking. He'd pick one up. He'd kind of turn it. He'd look at it. He'd kind of consider it. Put it back on the shelf because he realized that it was made in China or wherever it was made. He knew what he was looking for. He had an idea and so he was trying to redeem the things that were most valuable in that situation. Sometimes we just want to do what we have to do as quickly as we can and just move on with life and get things going when we fail to realize that there are times that we need to redeem what is available and is best for our situation. Let me tell you, when it's time for me to get married, I didn't want just any woman. I didn't walk around the campus and just look around and say, well, there's one. I'll just take her. <laughs> there's one over there. I'll just take her. No, no. After I saw Donna, none of the rest of them mattered. I already knew in my mind and in my heart who was going to bring about the best in my life. And so the pursuit began. And what I'm talking about is redeeming the time. The word redeem is a present tense word which calls for us to make this a lifestyle, a daily moment-by-moment -moment practice, and not just something we occasionally do. How many of you have ever played Monopoly? Can I see your hands? Let me just tell you, you will never win at Monopoly unless you're willing to buy a piece of property. Is that true? You can buy the cheap ones and thinking I'll just buy this cheap one because it won't cost me so much. I can pay less for this one and let the expensive one go. You know what? This is just an observation. It's a casual observation. But the ones who buy Park Place and on that corner who buy them first almost always win the game because they're not afraid to redeem and to take that which will produce the most good in their life. Did you know that each day brings you 24 hours, 1,440 minutes, 
86,000 seconds, and each one of those seconds is precious in the kingdom of God. I wonder if someone came up to you and gave you $1,444 every day and said you cannot keep this at the end of the day. You have to spend every dollar at the end of the day. Otherwise, you'll lose it all. Let me tell you something. I'll stand on the corner with my hat turned upside down. If you want to come by and bring that to me, that's hard for us to imagine. Spending it all at one time. That's what God asks us to do with our time and with our day. Is to use everything for his glory. I saw a quote that I like a lot. It says, I have only just a minute. Only 60 seconds in it. They're forced upon me. Can't refuse it. Didn't seek it. Didn't choose it. But it's up to me just how I use it. I must suffer if I lose it. And give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. There's power in time. And then thirdly, he uses a Greek word that, it, that gives us the word time. The Greek word here is kairos. And it literally does not speak about time as much as it speaks about opportunity. It talks about opportunity and refers to a fixed and definite period of time during which something can be accomplished that cannot be accomplished after the time has passed. In other words, there are some things that you can only benefit from in this moment. And if you let it pass, you may never get another opportunity to be able to utilize that in your life. It's a kairos moment. It's, it's a moment that does not put the emphasis on clock time, but on kingdom opportunities. Listen, there are things in your life that you're going to have to move on it quickly. I've learned through the years as a pastor that there are some things that I can put off to tomorrow because it does not have it does not have an urgency to it or a, an importance to it of eternal value. And, and there are other things that are, are ranked higher in priority than this moment. But there are times. It may be a phone call. It may be a text in the middle of the night that comes to me. And I can realize by the gravity of the situation that there's no time to waste. There's no time to wait there, I must pull myself out of the bed and find myself on the side of the bed on my knees praying and, and, and beseeching God on behalf of a family or on behalf of a, of a situation. There are times that people will call me and say, I need wisdom, Pastor, about a situation that I'm dealing with and I need for you to help me to understand what I need to do. And I can't say, well, if you'll set up an appointment with me next Tuesday at 10 o'clock, I'll be more than happy to talk to you at that time. No, there are situations that are life and death in importance. And I don't have time to wait. It's too important. Someone's soul is in jeopardy. And just like me as a pastor, there are times like that with you. Those of you who are regulars here, you know that my mom used to pray in the closet right next door to my bedroom. She'd bring me in as a teenager when I'd been out doing things that I shouldn't have been doing and playing with things I shouldn't have been playing with and drinking things that were not bringing value to my life. And I was living a life in the world. And my mom would bring me in, lay me down in my bed, take my shoes off of me, cover me up, and go into the bedroom next door. She didn't wait till the next morning. She didn't call the pastor, who was my dad, and say, you need to get up and pray for this young individual. No, she said, now is the time. Time. I can't wait till tomorrow. His soul is at stake. And she'd go into the closet and she'd pray and she'd point her face the direction of the wall where I was sleeping and pray for her. She prayed mean prayers. So God let him get so sick to him, his stomach that he'll never want to drink another drink in his life. 
Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll that, that when he's trying to do things that he shouldn't be doing, that it just won't work. Lord, whatever it takes, I pray that you'll keep my boy safe because he does not belong to the enemy. He does not belong to the devil. This is my child. We dedicated him at birth. And Lord, I will not give up and I will not give in. I will pray now because he needs prayer now. Sometimes we've just got to prioritize the moment. We've got to realize that the opportunity is now. <clears throat> you see, there comes a time when it won't work anymore. And Lord, I, I, I pray the Lord will help me to say this right. You know me. I, 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 don't, <clears throat> I don't get nasty. And I, I'm not one of those police officers, come, officers coming around to your house to see what you're up to. But listen, I'm telling you just as sure as I know how. That what you invest into your children is what they're going to become. And if you bring them to the house of the Lord, they're going to be more likely to serve the Lord and be a child of God. The statistics don't lie. But if you keep your child home, and if you don't bring them to church, or you allow them to pick what they want to do when they want to do it, as they grow older, there will come a time when you will lose the opportunity to invest in them. So invest in them while they're young. You say, well, they don't want to come. Say, too bad, baby. You live in my house, you eat my groceries, you're going to go to church. But I'm sick. Well, good. The Bible says, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint you with pray, with oil and let them pray. And faith can bring healing to you. Hey, when did we start letting our kids dictate and determine what they will and will not do, what they can and cannot do. You're still the boss, mom and dad. Now, I know you're feeling real good right now. But it's not so that you can feel good about yourself. Because you made a commitment to raise that child in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And it's a whole lot easier to do that when they're three than it is when they're 18. I think I've said enough about that. <clears throat> the word opportunity in Latin means ab portu. And it, it, it is an ancient time before modern harbors when they would use this word it was about the ships that had to wait for the timing of the tide before they could make it easily into the port they didn't have the kind of things that we have today that will raise the water level and lower the water level so that they can keep them on schedule no they had to sit on the ship and wait until the tide came in I don't know if you've ever visited the, the ocean or if you lived around uh, the ocean, but you know that the tide rises at certain times and it goes down at other times. And if the ship missed the ob portu, the opportunity to come in when the tide was up, they would have to sit there for several more hours waiting for the tide to come up again. And what I'm trying to say to you is, is that every day we have opportunities to live our life to the best because of Christ. Time is a strange commodity. We can't save it. We can't retrieve it. We can't stretch it. We can't borrow it. We can't loan it. We can't stop it. We can't store it. We can only use it or lose it. There are no timeouts in the game of life. I'm getting ready to close, but how many of you watched the Chicago Bears last week when they lost at the last second because of a field goal that hit the upright and then hit the crossbar? The young man who, who was the kicker, his name is Parkey, he came out, all he had to do was kick one field goal through the, cross, uh, through the uprights and the Bears would win. And he comes out and he stands there. You know how kickers do. They get in line there. And then they back up and they back up 
And then they go like this, and they go like this. And then they look down at the guy that's going to hold the ball, give him the go-ahead, and they, they hike the ball and then kick it. He did. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, it went right through the middle. Bears win! Bears win! Bears win! But then they said, wait a minute, it didn't count. Everyone's like, what? It didn't count. The coach of the other team on the sideline was standing by the official and he was watching the clock as it came down second by second by second. And when it got down to the place where there was hardly any time left, he said, time out. And he timed out just at the time as he was kicking the good field goal. But it didn't count. And so now it's like, oh, okay, here we go. He's got to kick it again. Those who were believers, it's all oh, he can do it. He just did it a minute ago. It's no problem. Bears are going to go on. They're going to advance. Everything's going to be good. Go Bears, go Bears, go Bears. And Parky comes in. He looks at the goal, uh, at the crossbars and, and the uprights. And he, he looks again. He goes through his routine. He goes like yeah, this. And then he steps back three steps. And then he goes to the left. And then he says, I'm ready to go. And he kicks the ball. And you know the rest of the story. The ball hit the left upright, came down and clanged on the crossbar. And all the Chicago Bear fans, they were saying, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let it hit on that side of the crossbar. Because if it hits on that side of the crossbar, it will go through and it'll be go Bears, go Bears, go Bears. But it hit on the wrong side of the crossbar. <clears throat> and the stinking Philadelphia Eagles will be playing today. <laughs> because of a no good for nothing coach. Who was smart enough to call time out. In just enough time to stop the progress of the game. Now I know for some of you that was painful to have to relive. It was for me. I already had my after game snacks ready for celebration purposes. I was ready. Time. 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 Someone said, decide now what you want written on your tombstone. And then live your life backward from there. I like that. Decide today how you're going to live. Decide how the end will be. We're going to watch a video in just a second, but before we do, and I want the, I want the ushers to get ready. We're going to have communion together this morning. I'm going to let you stay in your seats, and we're going to commune together. But Alfred Nobel awoke one morning to read his own obituary in the newspaper. Uh, that would be startling, wouldn't it? It said, Alfred Nobel died yesterday. He was the inventor of dynamite, and he died having devised a way for more people to be killed in war than ever before. And he died a rich man. Well, it wasn't Alfred that died. It was his brother that died. But the guy writing, writing the news report, well, I almost said something right there, would have divided this church right down the middle. <laughs> Democrats on one side, Republicans on the other. Let me just say that whoever it was, it was fake news. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it wasn't Alfred. It was Alfred's brother who died. But it had a tremendous impact on his life. And Alfred Nobel decided, I'm not going to die with that kind of thing on my tombstone. I'm going to change my life. And Alfred Nobel created what we now know as the Nobel Peace Prize to award individuals who work and obtain peace. 
It changed his life. So here's what I'm trying to say to you today. Time is extremely important to the child of God. We have to be careful how we use it. And we must use it for his glory. I want you to bow your heads with me right now and I'm going to pray. And at the conclusion, we're going to watch a video. We're going to receive communion today. But I want to pray for you today before we move forward. Father, in the name of Jesus, your son, I come to you right now. And I thank you that you give each of us the same privilege of time. It doesn't matter if we're rich or we're poor, if we're well-known or hardly known at all. We all get the same amount of time every day. And we all have the same opportunity to use it to bring about something productive in our lives. And Lord, to be honest with you, myself included, there are many days that I just live impulsively and I waste time. I don't use it as I should. But Lord, I realize and I intend to make a change in those areas of my life because I realize that opportunity expands in my life as I learn how to manage my time efficiently and effectively. And so, Lord, I pray this week, as this congregation, as they begin, Lord, to plan their days and plan their moments and plan their life this week, that they will do it with kingdom principles in mind. Touch them in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Come, if you would, ushers. And they're going to come down the aisles this morning, and they're going to give you the elements of the communion. And then Pastor John is going to come in just a few moments, and he's going to lead us in communion together. Would you play the video now, John? spent and as I wandered where it went I watched the sands of time slip fast away as I thought about my life what had I really done for Christ I'd lost so many hours I can't reclaim and as I bowed my head in deep despair and cried out to the Lord in prayer. I heard a still small voice whisper this refrain. Redeem the time for soon it will be gone. Redeem the time not so long Don't let the moment spent down here become a tale of wasted years Remember that your days are like a passing glance You only get one chance Redeem the time As the days of life go quickly by The seconds pass, the moments fly What are we really giving to the Lord? Our years are like a passing wind They go and never come again To waste a single hour we can't afford so teach us, Lord, to count our days, to see them as a gift of grace. Remind us of this truth taught in your holy word. Redeem the time, for soon it will be gone. Redeem the time. Not so long. Don't let the moment spin down.
become a tale of wasted years Remember that your days are like a passing glance You only get one chance, redeem the time Don't let the moment spin down here Become a tale of wasted years Remember that your days are like a passing glance You only get one chance You only get one chance at life You only get one chance Redeem the time We're going to take communion together now reading from 1 Corinthians. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We take the bread. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and His people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time that you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until He comes again. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for this remembrance we have, the bread and the the wine, Lord, to remind us of the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us. Lord, we thank you that we can come together to remind ourselves. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made. And Lord God, I pray that as we go out today, Lord, as we go back into the, 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 the hustle and bustle of our lives, Lord, we get back to dealing with difficult things situations in our lives, or let us remember the sacrifice you made for us and what that means.